Thank you for joining us today and a big thank you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. Karen and I have been trialing their designs for a few months and we can happily recommend them. All designs are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Hi there. Did you know that midlife female runners are at a high risk of a bone stress injury? And did you know that you can minimize that risk with a healthy bone building food plan? So join us today and we'll share our ideas for bone building meals and snacks. Hello and welcome to She Runs, Eats, Performs, the podcast for female runners of all abilities. Please join Karen Campbell and Aileen Smith, nutritionists, friends and runners, who are here to help you translate sports nutritional science into easy to apply tips and plans, helping you enjoy peak running performance. And especially adding in the female factors every woman needs to know to be a healthy runner. The suggestions we make during this episode are for a guidance and advice only, and are not a substitute for medical advice or treatment. If you have any concerns regarding your health, please contact your healthcare professional for advice as soon as possible. If you'd like help from Karen and Ailey to design a personalised sports nutrition plan for your running, please contact them at Runners Health Hub. I'm Karen and I'm here with Aileen and today our topic is bone building food plan for runners. But before we get started on the topic, I'd just like to welcome, um, give a warm welcome to all our regular listeners. And also, if you're listening for the first time, a really warm welcome to you. And we do hope that you enjoy this episode and all the others that we've done before. We've got a back catalogue that you can explore and all the episodes to follow. So today, what we're going to talk about is what you need to consider for an optimal bone building food plan. We're going to give you some of our suggestions for meals and snacks and also we're going to give you some tips to ensure you promote optimal absorption of structural bone building nutrients. Now in episode 128, so that was healthy bones for female runners, we did highlight that endurance runners are at risk of bone stress injuries And a high percentage of midlife females are also at risk of losing bone mineral density and that potentially leading to a risk of osteopenia or osteoporosis, which in turn increases the risk of bone injuries. Now, we talked about some of the key nutrients to include in your food plan and how adapting your run training plan might promote that bone remodeling process. Now, we did promise to follow on with an episode about food for bone building. So here we are. So hi, Aileen. I'm just wondering if you could maybe outline why it's important to be focusing on food planning for bone building today. Hi, Karen. Hi, everyone. Well, the main reason to focus on food planning is really to take the theory that we talked about in episode 128 and put it into practice and I think 
I'm really focusing on helping everyone make everyday food choices to support bone health. And it's so easy to have good intentions. You know, we, we listen to an episode and we, we forget to follow through sometimes. So I just thought some practical advice would help everyone. Um, and I think, but you know, bone health is really, really important. And the way that I sort of um, motivate myself and focus on my bone health is to imagine two different scenarios. And I ask the question, uh, do you want to be an old lady who's got a stoop pro- uh, posture and possibly a history of fractures? Or do you want to be the elderly lady who's got a strong skeleton and be fully mobile. And I know what I want. And I know it's a couple of decades away for us, uh, maybe more for some people. But I think we do have to look that far into the future and do the right thing now. Yeah, absolutely. And I know what I want as well, Aileen. So you've definitely got my attention. So could you maybe start by reminding us about what we need to consider for an optimal bone building food plan? Okay, so we touched on the nutritional approach um, in that episode 128, which wasn't that long ago. um, So hopefully people can remember. Um, But what we're now going to be sort of focusing on is what factors contribute to bone loss, what factors help conserve bone mass, and what we can do to help um, the remodeling process. So everything that we eat and how we have our lifestyle is going to help these different things. And and just as a reminder, you know, everything that we uh, need to consider regarding um, bone mineral density and and why it might uh, be decreasing, uh, the, the key imbalances which drive that loss are inflammation, low protein intake, poor, poor glycemic control, um, hormonal imbalances so I'm thinking about stress hormones and sex hormones and also compromised digestion and that's really important we need our digestion to be optimal so that we get the best nutrient value from our food so the the aim of of our food plan um, should be to have a healthy body composition supported by a low GL food plan and an anti-inflammatory food plan but also within that, including bone building nutrients and that alongside a foundation of eating enough for our energy. We touched on that last time. So making sure that we're not under eating and all of those things combined together will make up a good bone building plan. Now, managing glycemic control um, is really important because it helps us support a healthy body composition. It helps us with weight management it helps reduce inflammation and all of that um, helps with um, keeping the bone tissue healthy because there is a potential for glycation of bone tissue and that might compromise bone quality and lead to a, um, an increased risk of fracture, um, which um, may be uh, dep- independent of bone min- mineral density as well. So there's lots of things to consider and that, that's like a big umbrella um, just to give some context to what we're we're going to be talking about today, Karen. Excellent. Thanks, Aileen. And indeed, you know, there's, there's 
lots of different risk factors that um, could potentially exacerbate or lead to this um, diminished bone mineral density. Now, if you've been listening to us for a while, Aileen, you mentioned about an anti-inflammatory food plan and how that could help with the, with um, supporting bone health. Now, We've shared lots of information about anti-inflammatory nutrition. So you could go back and listen to some of our episodes, especially episode 14, which is titled Endurance Running and the Immune System, where we go into quite a lot of depth there. And you'll also know that Aileen and I talk about following an everyday healthy balanced plate approach as a foundational piece of any nutrition plan. So that healthy balanced plate consists of a quarter of a plate of protein, quarter of a plate of complex carbohydrates. So that's the whole grains, ideally the root vegetables and fruits, and then half a plate of vegetables and salads. And really, this approach underpins the um, the approach to that low GL, so that low glycemic load food plan that um, that y- you spoke about, that glycemic control, and this sort of feeds into that. However, what we can do is enhance that plate, so that foundational healthy plate uh, for bone building by focusing on certain vegetables and protein foods to provide the important bone building minerals that we require, and I'm thinking here of um, minerals such as calcium and magnesium. So there's lots that that you that w- you we can do, but starting with that foundational everyday healthy food plan. Yeah, that's um, that's a good overview there, Karen. About you know starting with a foundational plate and then enhancing it for bone building. Um, so we we discussed protein requirements in that previous episode that. 128 that we talked about there Um, and the protein requirements for midlife women are a bit higher than uh, at an earlier age Um, so you should be looking at between 1.2 grams to 1.6 grams of protein per kilogram of body weight per day now you don't have to calculate every gram of protein um, but it's really important that you uh, you do eat adequate protein every meal and snack and it's also best to think about spreading your protein intake across the day and our mantra is eat protein with every meal and snack and if you do that you won't go far wrong Uh, and another tip would be um, add a protein shake into your daily plan because that will really help hit this higher protein target and I know that's something that really works for me as part of my foundation. Yeah, absolutely. And it's an easy way of increasing your protein intake as well. It's just about choosing the right protein powder. So we now know what we should be aiming for with regards to protein. But what about the key bone building nutrients, Aileen? I'm thinking here about calcium and magnesium that I mentioned, but also vitamin D. Yeah, well, the the daily recommendations for this is related to bone building for midlife women are to be ensuring that you're eating calcium in the range of 1200 to 1500 milligrams per day and magnesium in the range of 750 milligrams per day and that's roughly half the amount of calcium Um, now when it comes to vitamin d uh, we don't really get that much vitamin d from dietary sources Um, so how much you require um, from 
usually from supplements, depends on whatever your current vitamin D status is. So we always recommend getting tested. Usually twice a year is a good way. And then from that, you would know what your vitamin D status is and you would supplement appropriately. And yes, you might get uh, some vitamin D from certain foods, but it would be contribute rather than give you the your whole amount of vitamin D. And also, obviously, depending on where you live and whether you've got a lot of access to sunlight and making vitamin D through sunlight, that would be another way. So it's hard to actually say you need X amount of vitamin D because it does very, very much vary from person to person. Yeah, absolutely. Like you say, Alien, that's why the, we recommend the testing first. Um, so test, not guess, as we say. So Alien, I'm just wondering, how, thinking about your own clients, how do you help them work out what foods they need to ensure that they are eating enough of, of all of these nutrients, actually, that you've mentioned? Well, if I'm working, it depends really on uh, who I'm working with. If it's if it's somebody, say, for instance, who's got a known bone condition, so they've come to me with osteoporosis and they're trying to optimize their plan, I will go into quite a lot of detail with them working out uh, what they're actually eating at the moment. Um, so what I usually do is start asking them to follow the everyday plate balance to get that foundation into place and get them doing that for a couple of weeks. And then I'll ask them to do me a food diary and I usually ask them to list their meals and snacks including what portion size of vegetables they're having so I I get quite a lot of detail from them and then what I'll do is I'll assess that food diary or the food list that they've provided and then I can spot the gaps and make suggestions to help them optimize their food plan Um, so that's one approach the other approach is to focus on one nutrient at a time so it might be that we focus on protein first and I get them to list all of their protein one week and then next week we might focus on calcium the next week we might focus on magnesium so there's lots of different ways of doing it there's also um, you know if anybody's interested in doing this themselves there are quite a few online tools and lists which can help you educate yourself about how much calciums in foods and then you can do your own checklist to see what what you're eating and making sure that you're consuming the right amounts um which is quite a useful thing to do i think um but i think for many people if you're already following a healthy plate balance you probably just need to make a few enhancements to your food choices just to make sure that you you're getting these good nutrients for the bones yeah, absolutely. And I like the fact that you've got these different approaches, Aileen. I presume that it will depend on on the client in front of you on which of those approaches you would you would decide to use. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Personalize it to whatever whatever the person needs. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So what we've learned so far is that really a foundational bone building food plan is based on implementing a low GL and an anti-inflammatory food plan, focusing food based foundational nutrients um, for bone health and healthy body composition. So now let's chat about our suggestions for meals and snacks. So Aileen. Okay, so I think with bone health, it's all about looking for every opportunity to add in these foods that are rich in calcium and magnesium, as well as lots of uh, trace minerals. And there are some key trace minerals that are important for bone health. And they're uh, boron, uh, manganese, selenium, 
silicon, strontium, zinc and copper. Um, so it, uh, what I would say is for most people eating a wide range of vegetables and nuts and seeds on a regular basis will provide uh, a broad range of these trace minerals. Um, however, you might need a mineral supplement if you've been diagnosed with a bone health condition or if you're if you're in an at risk group, or maybe if you're recovering from an injury, and I tend to choose a sort of a multi mineral supplement in those instances to support bone health if I think um, it's required for an individual. Mm. Yeah, excellent. So, so that sort of gives us an overview of different um, foods and and um, plant foods, nuts and seeds that we can introduce um, to help manage the intake of the various different um, micronutrients. But thinking about the key ones, Aileen, that we spoke about earlier, one at a time, um, let's, let's just think about calcium um, and the food choices that there are there. Now, clearly, everybody knows that you can get calcium from dairy foods, but you could also get good levels of calcium from tinned fish. So that's the the, the small fish with the bones and the edible bones, but also um, from plant sources, so green leafy vegetables, almonds and sesame seeds, also dried fruits, pulses, and of course, fortified foods. So there's quite a few different foods are fortified with calcium, such as um, plant milks and tofu and also seaweeds um, and, and sea vegetables that they contain calcium as well so so thinking about those those calcium rich foods what meal suggestions could you make Aileen utilizing some of this yeah well thinking about uh, breakfast first I've got a few um, favorite breakfasts that um, would you know be really helpful for building in these nutrients so the first one is a yogurt based breakfast so um if you chose 100 grams of natural yogurt that would supply approximately 140 grams of calcium and then i'd add 30 grams of almonds to that and that gives you another 75 grams of calcium um, and then i might have some fruit or Add, add all of that to a topping uh, to porridge or overnight oats. So, you know, either have the yogurt and the fruit and the nuts on its own, have it with porridge, have it with overnight oats. And I might also add a protein powder. Um, now, one of my favorite protein powders is Purition. And the reason that I like it is it's, it not only gives you uh, a protein um boost but it also contains many other vitamins and minerals so if you look at their label you'll see that there's lots of different vitamins and minerals and a 14 gram serving of purition contains 117 milligrams of calcium so adding that to your breakfast you can see how the the numbers are, are increasing um so having yogurt almonds and a purition um portion at breakfast you're getting 330 milligrams in your first meal of the day so I think you know if you're really interested in bone health that's a good way to start your day and um, just if anybody's interested in purition you can find a link to them on our website uh, at runners health hub and if you look at our shop um, button you'll find um, it's our favorite protein powder there 
The other thing that I like to do is I like to make a bone building smoothie. And um, that can be made with um, up to about 340, 350 grams of calcium. Um, So I tend to put in a cup of greens. So I tend to choose spinach or kale. um, And they include that those vegetables include calcium and magnesium and vitamin K, which is important for bone health too. And then I'll put in a quarter of a cup of cashews and almonds, maybe um, half a cup of papaya or maybe half a banana and some avocado. And then I'll add some um, milk or coconut water. And then I've also got the option of adding uh, the protein powder. And as I say, I tend to choose purition so that's another good uh, breakfast and it gives you a good um, boost of, of calcium absolutely and either of those you've almost got a third of your calcium intake in like you say that first meal of the day so um really really great ideas there and also i think smoothies are a great idea as a staple for any day and at any time of the day you know if not breakfast it could maybe be um used as a snack or maybe split into two snacks if you prefer a, a morning one and then um, an afternoon one so um so lots of different ways of of using a smoothie now Aileen I know that you love your eggs so how do they score for bone building uh, well, they score a bit, not as high as I would like them to, but as you say, it's my go-to breakfast and I always have to like um, move away from them sometimes. But two eggs will give you around about 54 grams of calcium. Um, I tend to make a green scrambled egg or a frittata for breakfast. So I'd saute a cup of spinach or shredded kale, maybe add um, a, a cup, a quarter of a cup of garden peas and some spring onions, and then um, then I add the eggs and make a scramble. So the peas and the onions probably add another ten to fifteen grams of calcium. So for that breakfast, that would give me around about seventy grams. So you know it's a smaller amount than those two other breakfast dishes, but nevertheless, it's a bit of variety and it it's, it helps. Absolutely. And I do think sort of giving these um, these recommendations, you can see just how incrementally the numbers start to stack up if you choose wisely. And I think another easy choice would be the canned sardines and having that maybe on toast because a 68 gram portion of sardines gives you 240 um, milligrams of calcium. So that's quite a significant amount, I would say. So now let's think about magnesium-rich foods. Um, Now, when we think about magnesium, we always think dark green leafy vegetables, but also whole grains, nuts and seeds and legumes. Um, And also cacao um, or cocoa, they contain um, uh, magnesium as well. And I think it is fair to say that many of the plant foods that we've been talking about already today contain both calcium and magnesium and other minerals as well. So choosing these foods would be really helpful because you're getting two for the price of one, so to speak. So um, so really the tip is to regularly eat salads, greens, nuts and seeds and legumes. So it's keeping it fairly plant-based. Yeah, yeah, I think that that's got to be the cornerstone of um, of your bone building plan is eating all of those uh, plant foods. Um, so a few examples of magnesium rich foods, um, you know, you mentioned them there, uh, Karen. So a cup of spinach would give you 
um, 150 milligrams, um, 25 grams of um, pumpkin seeds. Um, it gives you um, 120 milligrams of magnesium. 25 grams of almonds give you 77 grams of magnesium. Uh, and also I mentioned that purition powder that also contains magnesium. So one portion gives you 89 milligrams. So again, you know, you eating an abundance of these types of foods is going to help you get the magnesium score up. Yeah, definitely. Magnesium and calcium together. So, Aileen, I'm just wondering, how do you easily combine the foods that we've been mentioning into your daily food plan? You've spoken about the smoothies already or your juices as well. So what what, what else, and your eggs, what else would you um, suggest? Well, for, you know, moving away from breakfast now, so thinking about lunch, I tend to, my go-to would be to have soups and salads and smoothies at lunchtime and in the evenings what I tend to do is focus on those dark green vegetables so the calcium and magnesium rich vegetables so things like spinach cabbage brussels sprouts kale chard and alongside that I'll have a protein choice and maybe some pulses or whole grains and I just think by having these sort of um, cornerstones in my daily food plan that sort of gives me quite a lot of flexibility and it gives me the opportunity to make sure my plant food intake is high and that helps my bone health. And it's, it also means that I'm taking an anti-inflammatory approach to my food plan too. Mm, really good ideas there. And I think also soups and salads are really great for lunches at home or also to take with you to work or as a lighter snack or meal later in the day, especially if you're going to be running later in the day. And uh, you could either do a homemade soup or maybe buy a good quality fresh soup and add some extras to that to ensure that you've got enough of the protein and the calcium and um, the magnesium-rich vegetables in it. So, for example... Um, for protein, you could potentially add a cup of cooked chicken or beans, lentils, chickpeas, tofu, quinoa. So you've got your base um, bot, bot soup and then adding these different um, protein sources to it. And, um, and then you could add a cup of chopped greens. So, again, the ones that Aileen has mentioned um, spinach, kale, also broccoli, tender stem and the cabbage. And again, that's going to sort of increase that calcium and magnesium intake. So um, so we do have some really great recipes in our free ebook, uh, which we will talk to you about later in the episode. So we, we've got lots of different examples for you. But that's just an idea of how you could really enrich um, a soup from the from the supermarket into this bone supporting um, soup for lunch. Yeah, and that's the kind of soup that I call a meal in a bowl. Um, but sometimes I'll have a salad alongside my soup, or maybe some oat cakes with a topping. Um, so you know, thinking about bone building, I might choose something like sardine or mackerel pate, or maybe some cottage cheese or feta cheese. Um, and if I'm making a salad. I'll make a base of dark green leafy vegetables um, and maybe then add some, you know, four or five other salad vegetables so that I'm making sure that I've got a good half a plate, a portion of, of the vegetables on my plate. And then, you know, along with the usual um, plate balancing approach with carbohydrates, I tend to add 
half a cup of uh, carbohydrates. So it tends to be things like cooked grains or lentils, or maybe some cooked sweet potato or beetroot. Um, you know, any of the starchy veggies would be good. Um, at lunchtime, you know, just to make things easy, I often use um, grains that are pre-cooked that have come in sachets and lots of the supermarkets do uh, nice uh, sachets of mixed cooked grains and that that can make it easy. And then, you know, the bone building protein toppings for a, a lunchtime salad um, are all the things that you've just mentioned. But maybe I could just sort of mention how much um, that you're going to get, how much calcium you might get out of these uh, choices. So, um, you know, you mentioned the the sardines already, Karen, but thinking about something like feta cheese. So 100 grams of feta cheese gives 270 uh, milligrams of calcium. Um, two eggs, we've mentioned that as well. That's 57, 54 grams of calcium, um, milligrams of calcium, sorry. Um, and then also lentils and chickpeas uh, contain calcium. Um, and the other thing that, you could, that I often do with the salad is I'll maybe put some cooked broccoli on, um, which is calcium rich. Um, or I might have a protein shake alongside my salad too. So that's other ways that you can um, sort of boost your bone building nutrients. Um, so that's, and obviously I'm just talking about the calcium rich proteins here, but you know, there are other proteins that you can have with salad. You don't just have to have the bone building ones, but they're the ones we're focusing on today. Mm. So, so, so really what we're saying here is that, you know, when you're thinking about your balanced plate, you can quite easily consider which foods to put on that plate that's also going to support bone health, but you're still having that balanced plate. So protein first, um, and that could be dairy choices, so maybe full fat, natural yogurt, cheese, small oily fish like sardines, anchovies, but also beans and legumes. When choosing the, the vegetables, it's just thinking about considering all the dark green vegetables alongside other colourful vegetables as well, just to get that variety. That's still important. So um, before we move on, let's just take a moment now for a quick advert break. So, Aileen, I'm going to hand back to you now for that. OK, so this is the moment in the episode where we take the opportunity to share what we've been doing outside of the podcast and today we've been talking about making the most of every opportunity to pack in the bone building nutrients into your everyday food plan. And um, Karen mentioned earlier that we have an ebook that has um, some uh, good recipes for soups in. And soups are a really great choice. So we thought that we would um, talk to you about that today. And, and often soups might not be the first choice uh, when it comes to choosing a pre or post running um, snack or meal but soups can be uh, really really helpful um, for meal replacements and also to help support recovery from injury but often uh, we find people say well I don't really know how to make a soup or it's going to be too difficult and how do you choose a soup that's in line with your training strategy so to help solve uh, those dilemmas we created our free top 10 soups for runners ebook so what you get in the book is 10 easy to make healthy soup recipes, which you can use for pre and post fueling or for meals at any time of the day. Um, we'll give you some tips on how to make a potluck soup, which is basically using up all your leftovers in the fridge. Um, 
how you can make the most of some simple everyday kitchen tools so you don't need any special gadgets to make your soup and how you get plate balance in a bowl. Karen's already talked you through that today. So um, there'll be a recap of that in the ebook. Um, and it's very easy to choose a soup that's matched to your nutrition goal. So if you are interested in getting the free ebook, uh, pop over to our website, runnershealthhub.com, look at the free nutrition guide tabs. Uh, there's a few different uh, free guides there, but you can scroll down and find uh, the soup ebook and just pop your email in and we'll send the um, PDF ebook over to you. And we did that um, ebook to accompany an episode that we did a while ago, which was episode 115 autumn soups for runners um so um you might want to listen to that one as well if, you, if you're interested so hopefully choosing uh, some soups will really help you with your bone building food plan excellent and you're on training as well so it's a win-win so thanks for that Aileen so let's now move on and consider um, an important aspect of a bone building eating plan which is to ensure you promote optimal absorption of all the bone building nutrients that you've been diligently adding to your daily food plan now that we've told you all about them. Now there are some foods and drinks which may affect your ability to absorb nutrients and the most effective thing to do really is to minimise your intake of these classes of food. And if you do eat them, trying to consume them away from the foods that um, that are bone building. So there's bone building meals and snack. So let's talk about drinks first. And I'm thinking here about tea and coffee and alcohol and also soft fizzy drinks. Now, Caffeine in tea and coffee and some soft drinks uh, might encourage calcium excretion in urine and may also decrease calcium absorption from the gut. So really, it is best to drink these um, types of beverages roughly around one to two hours um, before or after food. So not drinking them around your meal. You know, we quite often end a meal with a coffee or a tea, don't we? So um, trying to um, avoid that and having them outside of a meal. Now, soft fizzy drinks are a source of what's known as dietary phosphoric acid, now, when levels of phosphorus rise in the blood, the brain is then signaled to release calcium to balance those levels of phosphorus. So, this, so, so it's taking it's taking the calcium out of the bone to balance that phosphorus levels in the blood. Now, fizzy drinks are often acidic. And the body is required to neutralize this before urinary excretion. And the body will use sodium and potassium reserves. But if not enough, it will tap into the magnesium and calcium reserves, therefore, again, depleting the body further. So these fizzy drinks do have quite a significant, potentially quite a significant impact on calcium and magnesium levels. Yeah, they do. And you mentioned alcohol there, Karen. Um, so alcohol may decrease the effects of bone building cells. Like the alcohol can act as a diuretic and potentially leads to leaching of minerals and calcium and magnesium. And that may act as a, an anti-nutrient uh, effect in the absorption of vitamins and minerals. So, you know, 
things like zinc, for instance. So it's it's always best to have alcohol in moderation for all aspects of health. But I think, you know, when you're considering your bone health, it's another reason to be moderate in your alcohol consumption. Uh, so it's just worth knowing. Um, so other groups of foods which may have an anti-nutrient effect are um, a group of food called phytates and also oxalates. And they have an effect where they bind nutrients in the digestive tract and that makes them uh, less bioavailable to the body. Now, phytates um, are found in nuts, seeds, bran and grains. And oxalates are found in rhubarb, spinach, beetroot, sweet potatoes, peanuts and uh, chard. So this is where nutrition can sometimes feel a bit contradictory because some of these food plants whilst they contain these so-called anti-nutrients, they also contain the bone building minerals that we require too. So the question is, should, is it something we should be concerned about? You know, when, when we're giving advice and you're receiving advice, it's like, you know, you're telling me spinach has got calcium in, but it's also um, got oxalates in. So what am I supposed to do? Um, so one of my thoughts is that, if nature's designed a food to contain, um, you know, a, a range of nutrients together, you know, so for instance, if it contains calcium and oxalates together, can this be a bad thing, you know, if, it, if it's a natural thing? Um, recently, I, in, I listened to an interview um, of um, Dr. Deanna Minnick, and um, she's one of my favorite functional medical experts. I love her books and her blogs. And the, the interview was on a, a podcast with Erin at the Functional Nutrition Podcast. And I'll put a link into the show notes and also a link to a paper she published, which was called, Is There Such a Thing as Anti-Nutrients? Um, which I think it was a really interesting discussion. And because she gave perspective and she said that, you know, maybe these anti-nutrients don't need to be demonized. Um, and what I took from the interview was that it really confirmed to me that eating a diverse range of foods in moderate portions um, it will be fine for most people. But sometimes eating foods in excess may have a negative effect um, when some people um, are thinking about their personal health situation. So leading that back to the original question about, you know, these um, particular groups of anti-nutrients, you know, maybe an example would be, for instance, dark green leafy vegetables. So if you eat huge quantities of spinach, which is high in oxalates and you've got a low calcium status, then maybe the oxalate content of the spinach might be a problem for you. Or if you have a specific health condition or a specific genetic profile, you might have to be cautious with particular food choices or combinations. Um, and that's where really um, a professional qualified nutri nutritionist can advise you. So I, I think the message is you don't necessarily have to um, avoid all foods. It's just eat things in a moderate amount unless you've got a particular health condition. Mm. And did she also speak about the different ways that you can reduce these phytates and oxalates, you know, like cooking cooking uh, mechanisms and things like that alien or was it more just about are they actually a demon or not yeah in her paper she does um she does give tips on what you can do um mm. you know so you know with with 
the oxalates. A lot of it is is about cooking them gently. She talks about yeah. steaming, um, and also with the phytates, it's about um, you know soaking and deactivating, so soaking nuts and seeds and deactivating them before you you eat them. But you know, I think that that's something that. Well, there's quite a lot of information on it. It's probably not everything that we can do here. And, and and I also think that the message is you don't have to be hung up on it. I think that's the message. It's like you can do all these things, but we're not saying don't eat nuts because unless you're going to soak them and deactivate the phytates. Yeah. Does that make sense, Karen? Yeah, exactly. It's about balance at the end of the day and not to overeat any one particular food that might contain these. So, um, So really... You know, as I've just said, I think it's just about, you know, we're not suggesting that you do eliminate these foods, but just be aware that if you are eating large quantities of them regularly, they have the potential to reduce the bioavailability of the key bone building nutrients. So it's about balance. And we always speak about balance, don't we? And um, uh, balance and moderation. So we suggest that for the oxalate containing foods, you use small quantities, maybe as an an ingredient in a dish, but avoid eating large amounts regularly every day. And I know that you eat a lot of spinach every day, Aileen, so it's something for you to think about as well, unless you're steaming. I don't eat a whole bag every day, Karen. <laughs> okay, okay, that's okay then. Um, isn't it? It's like, you know, if you're having a portion of spinach a day, then that's probably okay. But yes. if you're going to have a whole bag of spinach, then that's probably not going to be so great. Yeah, absolutely. And like we said also, you know, soaking and steaming these foods that um, contain oxalates and phytates can can sort of help to deactivate these chemicals. Um, and, um yeah, you can soak them in water, you can rinse um, the phytates and, and the same with the oxalates um, and soak them, rinse them before cooking and eating them. Um, so, yeah, and just follow the advice about eating smaller quantities and having them less frequently. So like Aileen said, we'll put the link to the Dr. Dominic research paper and blogs on this different topic into the show notes so that um, hopefully you, you will find helpful as well. So Aileen, I have to say that this conversation has passed really quickly and I could carry on speaking about phytates and oxalates and, uh, and all these bone building foods, um, but I think it's time to close this episode um, for today. So before we go, could you just share your key takeaways from, from our conversation? Yeah, sure, Karen. So when it comes to food planning to support bone health, begin with your everyday food plate, um, the one that we're always uh, sharing with you. So a quarter of a plate of protein, a uh, quarter of a plate of complex carbohydrates and half a plate of vegetables and salads. Um, I, my big advice is think protein and plants uh, when you think about maximizing your calcium and magnesium intake. So that's got to be a big part of your food choices every day. Um, we recommend that you get your vitamin D status tested. Um, it's vital that uh, your vitamin D is at an optimal level um, as that will help maximize the bioavailability of calcium and magnesium. Um, including soup, salads and smoothies throughout your weekly food plan is an easy way to maximize variety and diversity of food and nutrients. Uh, remember to minimize caffeine, alcohol and fizzy drinks. 
And today we focused on um, the key bone building nutrients, but remember they work best uh, together. Um, so don't just focus on one. Remember you've got to have all of them in your diet and that we also require a range of micronutrients for optimal function. Uh, and you'll get that best by having a div- diverse range of food in your food plan. And remember to have lots of variety um, will also help you get the, the widest range of nutrients. But if you need more specific advice, remember you can book a complimentary work with us call and we can uh, point you in the right direction of any help that you might require. Great. Thanks very much, Aileen. I think there's been some great bone building food ideas shared today. Um, so hopefully that's going to be helpful for everybody. And remember, everyone, don't let nutrition be the limiting factor in your running performance. Well, this brings us to the end of another episode of She Runs, Eats, Performs, brought to you by Runners Health Hub, helping female runners to be fitter, faster and stronger. We really hope you've enjoyed listening and you'll join us again soon. In the meantime, we'd be so grateful if you check us out on iTunes and leave a review. And once again, thanks for listening and do let us know if there are any topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes. Bye for now. We'd like to introduce you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear for women's changing bodies, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. We think they have everything a female runner needs. First of all, they are high compression to support your legs and bum. They have a deep waistband so they stay up and they don't move about when you run. There's a handy left pocket for your phone and a zip pocket on the waistband, which is great for your cards or a key. They also have a hidden tracker pocket for storing a GPS tracking device, and this is a unique safety feature. All Amazing Jane designs, including tanks and tops, are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. Karen and I have been trialing wearing their range for a few months, and we can happily recommend them. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners' special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Thanks again to Amazing Jane Activewear for being our show sponsor and for sharing discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases.